Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 2nd, 2014. Now, I know we're all going through amazing times with the age of transition, as they call it at the top. As you've been trained into new systems and uh, accepting austerity because everything goes up and up and up. Much faster than it did for a not long time, actually. The prices just jump and jump and jump because really the, your currency is being devalued all the time. That's inevitable, too, because under the, the laws of economics, as I teach at university, they say that the cheaper your currency for foreigners, that is, uh, then the, the more uh, exports that country with the cheap currency can, can produce or, or get rid of, basically, and sell. And this is the con game that goes on. It was very similar to Maggie Thatcher, who said at the time that they needed a lot of unemployment because it kept the prices of wages down, you see. Back in the 60s and 70s, especially in the U.S. and Canada, uh, people could literally hop jobs from week to week, and no one thought anything about it, including the employers, uh, you get paid at the end of the week and you move on to something else because there was such a shortage of labor at that time with all the, the, the production and factories and so on that were all across the countries at that time before, of course, they, they sent it all off to China. But uh, I hope your luck certainly um, keeping up, at least to that extent, as you go through this transition, as I say, and you can get through all the struggles that are coming your way because everything is shooting up in the stores, food, everything is just out of sight. And uh, we're supposed to be grateful that we can eat at all uh, as they keep uh, gouging us with prices and prices and prices. And for every time I've noticed in the past over many different reasons that, that prices go up for, say, currency changes like they did in Britain uh, way back in the 70s, I think early 70s, maybe early 60s, they did... Uh, value-added tax and a decimalized currency all at the same time. They really confuse people except the sharks at the top because every store got in it too, especially the big chain stores, and they put a massive increase too for more profit during this age of confusion they went through. But we find this going, going all the time. Society is pretty sick, actually, and to be honest with you, it's really always been kind of sick. It's just that at one time the public had a common morality to an extent, and they wouldn't put up with it so much. People did get together, and uh, they did complain, and people had to listen to their complaints and do something about it. Today, with uh, psychological management and neuroscience and all the rest of it, and propaganda, and the media being on board, it's much easier to control the people until they stop complaining and start grumbling amongst themselves. And I've noticed, too, even when the gas prices go up and up, uh, especially in Canada here, they don't even bother grumbling amongst themselves. It's amazing how that's happened, and it happened pretty quickly too. They just accept things with a, f a form of uh, quiet resignation. Now everyone's heard my psych about the pumps, the well pump and so on, with the third one being in it right now. And uh, it's not quite uh, working properly yet either. There's a, a, a leak at a seal actually in the pump, and actually the well. And, um, and then to cap it off on Wednesday... I I made the, the stupid decision to actually try and plan something and go to the store to post up a couple of, of things and my my transmission went in my car. Just kaput, suddenly too, just gone, no power, no drive power at all. And I had to get a tow back, etc. And do a whole bunch of things the following day to, to try and ascertain if it was fixable in any way at all. I did the usual things you, you check for and it's not 
<laughs> got to be uh, a job that uh, you can do on, on, in the mud, uh, etc. And plus on Friday, I think I woke up on Friday to a, a foot of snow. A foot of snow on Friday, so I'm not doing any more with it. Um, that just cannot be done in this kind of weather. And as I say, it's astonishing. I was just thinking, you know, it was, I think it was the end of May pretty well. The snow started or eventually disappeared from where I live here. And uh, so you had June, July, August, and September that just poured rain pretty well constantly. Uh, the ground never dried out from last year, from the spring. And uh, this field outside me here where I live um, is absolutely sodden. As it, there's been no heat to dry anything out. It's quite amazing because it's all geoengineering, you see. And uh, it's amazing, too, how you get attacked for mentioning geoengineering. But it's not really amazing, too, when the big boys and Cass Sunstein and the rest of them have said that. They would smear everybody as a cook who hit on actual facts of things to do with the big, big projects, world and global projects. And, uh, and all they have to do is label you as a cook or whatever uh, instead, of, instead of answering the facts that you put out, including all the PDFs I put out from the, the various geoengineering institutions with all their data in it and their ongoing data about increasing aerosols in the air, etc., 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 as they continue to geoengineer. Plus, I said years ago that if they ever started doing it, we'd get nothing but constant rain in some areas. Uh, other areas, of course, because they could uh, manipulate the jet streams, uh, would get pretty well burnt to a crisp. But that's exactly what we have. But facts don't count when they're out to smear you, do they? Uh, and, of course, people who have their minds closed... Uh, will never look into anything themselves. It's like politics. Uh, those who are born to vote one way or the other will continue uh, to do it their whole life long. Even though uh, the definition of insanity is to repeat the same things over and over, expecting a different result when it, when, when it never, ever happens. But uh, that's humanity. No one ever said that humanity was logical. It has to do with your training and so on. And recently I read a study from universities to do with uh, belief systems of all kinds, including political belief systems and so on. And they found that once people have accepted a system of belief, uh, they'll fight it tooth and nail. They'll never check it out. They don't want to check it out to see if maybe something's uh, fallible in, in their belief, particular belief mode. And that goes with politics as well. Quite amazing. And going back to the neuroscientists and, and some of the precursors of the neuroscientists, who dealt with uh, uh, global uh, uh, future predictions because they worked on big global think tanks and they worked towards a global society of trained public across the world and constant training. They called it lifelong learning as they continue to train you and train you and train you. They talked about this very, very system uh, back in the 30s and 40s, including Bertrand Russell's, where he said that uh, he, he used to think he said, and many people did, used to think that all you have to do is present the facts to the people and they'll respond logically and do the right thing. Uh, and he said, you can do more with a brass band and military uniforms to get folk motivated than you can with all the rhetoric and facts in the world. And that really, unfortunately, is true. Many people who think they're waking up are actually, I've always said this, they're not really waking up at all. They're simply uh, waking to some part of their life changing and that's what they're objecting to, and they're forced, they're given no choice, but to really look into why either they're getting either hit in the pocket or something, 
uh, and and so through a financial a financial crisis or something like that, they have to look and, and at least question something. But they really don't want to question anything else. And then you have the disinformation agencies and professional agencies that are out there too, which are, are given the job to, to to wrap in all the UFO stuff and and uh, ghosts and all the rest of it into the same thing to discredit those who put out nothing but facts because you're lumped in with the same bunch. A very old technique, of course, used by uh, counterintelligence agencies for an awful long time. So this, this is the age in which we live, and the more confusion of the multitude of people going into sites or forums or whatever with their own particular slant on something uh, or belief on something, the more confusing it can get. And that's why the big boys are not worried at all, to be honest with you, about any conscious or global awakening on any unified scale. Only a unified scale would get any attention too, uh, but that won't, that won't happen because you'll find all the different people on different forums, they're all fighting each other uh, as they try to push forward their particular point of view. It's kind of like the, the, the old, old Russia before the Bolsheviks took over completely. There were so many different types or, or, or spins or of socialism being pushed by different parties at the time, a mass of them. It was awfully confusing to the average person. And when they're all fighting each other and, and criticizing and etc. each other, uh, the Bolsheviks certainly went in and took over. They then proceeded to eliminate the leaders of all the rival parties until no one could speak out against them. And you'll find that underneath many, many things, uh, belief systems of all kinds, and including politics, naturally, that there, even though there's a congeniality on the surface and an intellectual discourse on the surface with many different groups and so on, and even with some religions too, you'll find that underneath it, there's always that raw, very primitive uh, side to it as well, which could come to the surface at any time. I've always thought about uh, what Plato talked about, that... Uh, Anything that happened in the past or humans had been able or made to do or conditioned to do or trained to do uh, could be repeated if he knew the formula. And never forget that formula sitting quietly simmering in all kinds of groups. The study of humanity, and I can never stress this enough, is, is, is the biggest study on the planet from the earliest times to the present because those who rule countries and now the planet uh, have to understand, uh, at least have a comprehensive understanding of how the bulk of the population actually works in order to control and manipulate and use people because we live in a system really of literally usury of all kinds and there's many kinds of usury as well. But from the ancient times, uh, for, for to, to live better than anyone else, you had, which meant more foods and everything else and things that you wanted, uh, more wives of where I am to be. At the same time, you had to get something that the rest of them didn't have and have other folk working for you. Uh, the best way to do it at one time was to give them a religion of some kind and have them pretty well terrified if they didn't comply and, and, and back that up with an army as well. The Egyptians did that too. So... If you can get a belief system instilled in the people, and our way too is a communist system where the Soviets were trained, especially the first couple of generations of them, uh, that they were working for a better tomorrow, a utopia. 
then they would suffer more hardship at the time, thinking uh, that they all owned the country, they all owned their future. Uh, but it never really occurred to a lot of them for a long time as to why those at the top who ran the system on behalf of the people lived so awfully far above all the rest of the general population. Nothing really changes. It doesn't matter if you call it a classless society or a democracy or whatever. We're, we're looking at the same system going back under the guise of this strange term called civilization. And what does civilization really mean when you think about it? Civilization really uh, goes back to recorded history, recorded by, by writing, uh, etc., of all kinds of writing, inscriptions and hieroglyphs, etc., uh, which also meant there was a leisure class as well uh, to, to be educated. Because if you're working all on the same level, uh, scrounging for, for food uh, or planting food or hunting food, then you wouldn't have time to learn these other uh, things like like education in certain areas. Therefore, everyone truly would be the same. At the very most, you'd have some sort of tribal leader, a primitive tribal leader, who'd have no more than the rest of the people except his res- the respect, basically. Uh, but that changed with the advent of uh, something called wealth, which was valued by something called money. Whether it was weighed out or, or coined out, didn't matter. Uh, those who had more of it, and when they conditioned the public that this, this strange uh, gold powder or a silver powder or an eventually coinage, was actually more important than that cow there, or that milk that the cow produced, etc., uh, then someone had control over the minds of other people. And, and that's really the, the, the medium of exchange, what they call currency. As long as you have currency, unfortunately, you'll never have an honest system. And those who've been in control of it for so long will never allow it to be honest anyway. It just won't happen. Um... If you own anything at all, then technically that's whatever you own should last, especially what you call valuables. And by valuables, I'm in a natural system. I'm talking about uh, fields, seed, and, and all that kind of thing that should last. And they shouldn't be able to fluctuate in value from an outside source, especially something somebody in a different country telling you what the value that happens to be. Uh, what's he got to do with it except self-gain, you see? But we live in this system here and we think it's all quite natural that people you'll never meet, and most of you don't even know who they are, decide every day what the value of your particular currency will happen to be. It's an elastic currency. So why are you working so darn hard for it when it, it can be watered down so quickly uh, or, or, or finished so quickly if they want to bankrupt you? And they've done it so many times in history, the big boys who control it all. Uh, this is what they call science, <laughs> the science of economics. So it can never be a, a, an honest system. And even if governments did coin and print their own currency and and sell it to the banks, which would cover the cost and all the rest of it too, and then the banks could loan it out to others as well who wanted more than what was in circulation, then... Uh, you still get the corrupt people moving into government in control of all these departments so that they can have their little cabal in, in charge of it. That's already happened in other countries too. And you go back to Grant in the US who talked about that, that uh, the system that was controlling the currency of the, the US then was already in the hands of a few people. And the biggest problem he had when he was president was trying to get uh, 
any kind of control or say in, in how the money worked, uh, who ran it, and all the rest of it. So corruption, in other words, seems to be a normal part of society. And in the past, they were awfully good at kind of cleaning up their history, especially the historians of the day, because history means history, remember. And historians were authorized by kings and queens, just like the painters were who did portraits of the kings and queens. And you better do an awfully good portrait or an awfully good history, or you're, you, you lost your head. It was as simple as that. Uh, people do things and go along with corrupt systems for personal gain. And uh, that's why the politicians are well aware, and bureaucrats too, that you get up the ladder by knowing not, not knowing what not to ask. You, you sense what is a sensitive area, and you steer away. You don't go into it at all. You don't ask questions, and you go up the ladder so that you can have plausible deniability, and you escape uh, uh, squeaky clean if any scandal erupts. That's how things actually work. So society is run by psychopathic types, always has been, I think, because uh, even all the great, uh, so-called like Alexander the Great, all the people called great in the past, went through life-slaughtering folk all over the place. And they're called great by historians uh, because they changed something, uh, even if it was taking over countries or changed borders or whatever it happened to be. Uh, they were called great. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. Maybe it's because the psychopaths who take over uh, really admire that type as well for being so great, powerful, and a mass slaughterer. That's the farce of, of uh, humanity, unfortunately, and history. And nothing's changed. But psychopaths, it seems to me, have always had the rule over the minds of other people. Psychopaths are great con people. Uh, there's also really nasty and wicked people too uh, They don't have to be psychopathic They're just nasty and wicked But psychopaths especially Want a good life for themselves The best life if possible And they'll con anybody and everybody To get it And they'll lie quite easily Because they have that natural ability Not to feel embarrassment of any kind whatsoever And they know uh, what, Even what the expressions to put on their faces When you talk to them personally uh, and it puts you completely at ease uh, It's like looking into a mirror at times Because they'll, they'll copy your expression So things seem familiar to you And that's what salesmen are taught to, by the way How to emulate the, the customer's stance, movements, gesticulations, speech and all the rest of it So it's almost like yourself talking back to yourself You're kind of at ease with it And you're being taken for a ride You don't know what's being done generally but people want to follow psychopaths. The reason is, and lots of uh, sociologists and psychologists and neuroscientists over a long, long, long time have come up with the same conclusions. The people will follow these characters because the psychopaths will make fast, easy decisions. Ordinary folk or normal folk, say, will try and weigh the balance of consequences. The psychopath has no problem with that because if there's any consequences, he won't take the blame. He'll immediately have someone set lined up to take the fall and uh, he has no guilt whatsoever. It's a foreign concept, guilt. In fact, it's a mystery to him, in fact. And I mean, really, they puzzle over that. Then we can go into all the the wicked people and wicked people are bound, naturally, uh, with various chips in their shoulder uh, feelings of inferiority or superiority doesn't matter, and they can they, they can play people along 
to set them up thinking they're so smart when they have them fall. Uh, that's a form of wickedness. You find the same techniques being used by in sting operations by police or, or even intelligence agencies, especially today when they can, they can pick youngsters from other countries living in your countries, uh, maybe even born in your countries, but really with ancestry going back to another country, uh, as we see today with anti-terrorism laws, etc., and they can put out their own agents agents to, to grab these youngsters, set them up with a sting operation, even supply them artificial um, explosives and stuff, and then close in. And then it's another great, a great win for that agency. Oh, they caught a bunch of would-be terrorists. So are they really nice or are they wicked? Uh, there's different ways to look at things. I mean, we can't come to a fast, easy decision on anything. If you're a normal person, again, a psychopath could. The end justifies the means to them, and they get what they want. Today we live in such an, an era of mass confusion, deliberate too, deliberate confusion, because they found the more confusion they can put out there in conflicting stories about things, even major events, uh, then most people will, will switch off uh, questioning at all and take the authorized version, even if that in itself is simplistic and full of holes, uh, rather than try to figure out for themselves. It hurts them to try and figure out for themselves. Now, why does it hurt them to think for themselves? Partly it's because they've been trained not to think for themselves from early schooling right through to the present time. Again, the big boys who planned this whole era we're living in, including the culture and the cultural changes leading to this era, step by step by step, to adopt, adapt and adapt and adapt and accept the systems we live in. Uh, they knew uh, that people will always adapt if, they, if they're taught and trained to believe what the experts always tell them. And it's constant today, especially since 9-11, not to think for yourself, accept the, the professional's and authorized points of view. That's the simple statement that's out there. If you do, you're a good person. If you don't, you're, you're a cook, crazy, or whatever, or you're dangerous, in fact. So if you don't, as I say, um, accept everything and think for yourself, you're an unusual person. Uh, that's if you're not really a cook, uh, or, or really um, you're trying to say, well, it's really the aliens who are controlling the world, or things like that. Uh, that's the kind of thing that the, 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 the intelligence agencies want out there, actually, and they put many um, front men out there to, to push that kind of thing as well, to discredit the basic facts and the fact seekers. But if you ask a, a group of people today uh, what kind of world they want and what kind of future they want, they can initially agree on basic things, but then in a group setting, then uh, group dynamics set in and you find that leaders want to arise and they'll combat each other in various ways uh, to become the leader of the group and then you go off on other tangents which, and, and you'd find that for all your, what you thought were similarities there's a mass of ideas from all of them as to how the future should be uh, that's why in the ancient world too uh, again, because everything was studied, well studied in the Greek world, for instance, they tried all the systems, what they call democracy, and the plebeian vote, and authoritarian rule, a form of fascism, uh, dictatorships, all of these kind of things. Uh, they, they tried them all 
and they knew in reality that the best system to give the people was a system where they did think that they had a say by voting, etc. But in reality, a very clever uh, early psychologist, we'll call them, uh, knew they could manip- be manipulated. They could manipulate the minds of the general population because the majority will always go along with certain traits of what they perceived as a leader. The leader's persona could be pretty fictitious. He could, he could be trained to behave in a certain way. Just like today, they had deportment lessons and even acting lessons. And I read these articles from the mainstream over years gone by. If you go into the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, uh, where in Britain they were, getting, they were given so many thousand pounds of politicians to take acting lessons and deportment and how to look very convincing in front of television cameras and how to pause at certain bits for impacts uh, and so on in their speeches. And the speeches themselves are written by script writers. I preferred the old Greek way because a lot of the people who wanted to rule and did rule uh, were pretty well illiterate because they looked down on anyone who had to actually work for a living, and that meant having to study to learn uh, how to read and write. So they'd have uh, they'd have scribes. You find that in, in, in ancient Egypt too, uh, who were still workers. They weren't as, imp- as important as a leisure class who didn't have to learn these tedious things. Uh, that that carried right through into into European con- uh, countries too for an awful long time. But anyway, as I say, uh, you you'll find that the more dominant a system is where a group can rise to power through leisure. They must own slaves of some kind or another. Charles Galton Darwin said that uh, slavery has always existed in one form or another. And you better understand what he meant by that, in one form or another. It doesn't have to be called slavery, remember. The easiest form of slavery is to make you think you're free and to have you uh, going along with experts and you think it's your decisions to go along with them, etc., etc. Or you think it's the right way to vote because the media has prompted you in so many different ways over months or maybe even years uh, what to, how to vote. So in other words, the bulk of the population of what's called a democracy will always go the way they're trained to go and prompted to go by clever psychological manipulation. We're so perfectly well understood, so perfectly well understood, and yet you truly couldn't have complete democracy. The anarchists actually, and there's anarchist groups in the U.S. and elsewhere, who can't agree on anything when it comes to any major decision making. I was sent a documentary on a particular individual in the states who wanted a name for himself, and somehow he was related to anarchist groups. And he popped down to New Orleans when the big uh, flood happened down there, a disaster. And uh, he, he, he managed to take over uh, the anarchist groups because anarchist groups would sit around and have votes with each other, and they couldn't agree on anything. They got nothing done. To, to even give help out to anybody down there because they were always arguing and fighting. But he managed to manipulate, uh, etc., and to get some authority, get authority to himself, 
and get a few things done. But he actually ended up being eventually a double agent, by the way. And he got awards later on, uh, this anarchist. Uh, he got awards for turning in people who either were real, but in the documentary they were set up to be bomb makers or something. It was quite an interesting documentary. But as I say, given true, true freedom, uh, you find an awful lot of differences amongst different people who on the surface seem all united initially. So that's why the big boys really haven't any worry whatsoever about uh, a complete social conscious awakening on a scale that have any effect whatsoever with demands and so on for change. That's why Bertrand Russell said that it's be for people to try and overthrow the system that they were going to bring in. And he wrote this about the 1930s. He said it'd be, it'd be easier for sheep to complain about the price of mutton. That, that, that's how futile it would be in the future with the techniques that already un, which were already understood and could be applied and been tested out on populations, especially the World War II, for instance. They found that people went into complete um, obedience mode for survival when their lives were threatened, right down to starvation diets pretty well in Britain with incredible rationing and so on, and how they put up with so much hardship uh, as a, and, and obey all authority figures right down to the very local level and the air raid war, war, uh, warden, things like that. Uh, and so much so that even the Greenpeace, one of the Greenpeace leaders a few years ago, said if we could only bring on that kind of atmosphere into Britain, then he'd get so much done because the people would be so obedient. Well, that's what terrorism does too. Now, why do normal people go along with things so easily? And the reason is because they're normal. <laughs> they, they're not leaders. They don't want to be leaders. They have no craving for power. They, uh, they want to believe in a system and that they're in a system where responsible people are just like the movies that they keep turning out where it doesn't matter what agency it is, they're, they're so ultra-concerned about the general citizen that they can't even sleep at night to try and get bad guys and keep the public safe. Things like that. They want to truly believe in this. And it never occurs to them of any deviousness in such a system or the kinds of characters within agencies that can work their way up towards the higher levels. Because I think personally, my, by my own observations, it's generally the more psychopathic types who get up in any system, in any particular uh, governmental agency. Uh, they're pretty ruthless. They're very cunning. They can be slick. They can defame others on their way up and claw their way to the top quietly and have other folk removed by spreading rumors about incompetency, this kind of stuff. They do it all the time, and they tend to get up to the top. Even those people who get up there with great names uh, for, for, their, for their various Nobel Prizes and so on, you'll find some of them to do with the science. The sciences simply have uh, data collected from other publishers, on papers, scientific papers, and they put them in one compendium and present it, and they put it forward as a complete compendium, and they get the award for doing it, but they didn't themselves had did pretty well no research whatsoever. Uh, everything's a bit of a farce when you, when you lift the, the cover and have a good look at something, but the general population have no reason to think about these things or even question them, 
and it never occurs to them to investigate any or why the guy got the prize in the first place or find out about him. The, the, the picture presented on the news and the story presented on the news is enough for them to go along with it. And again, why should, if you're naive, you've been trained to be naive and you're pretty normal, then you'll want to believe it because it's a safe worldview that you run with a form of, of competency and honesty in the world by responsible, honest people. Uh, it's just the way it really is. When you look, I think, I think this made me think there, there was an article that Tony Blair, the, one of the biggest con men out there, uh, open con men actually, uh, I knew a guy who saw him when he was running for the Labour Party uh, before he went into a, a, a meeting where there was different trade unions there and, and members in the trade, trade unions and he stopped his car outside the building and this this guy I know uh, saw him change into a, a different coloured shirt and went into the, you know, his, his collar and his tie off and the whole thing or, or, and his jacket and rolled up his sleeves and walked in there like a working guy. Everything is appearances and it comes so naturally to the con man and the psychopath uh, that it's, uh, they don't even stop to think about it. It's instinctive with them. But Tony Blair, as we know, became the multimillionaire, like many of them do actually, after they've gone in to serve the guys who put them in the first place. Even with the whole agenda, with wars and so on, I'm sure that was all explained to Tony uh, before he became the one-man band to get Britain into the war across the whole Middle East. And he's been so well rewarded by uh, J.P. Morgan and others since then. And he's become awfully, awfully wealthy. But he, he just got a prize, apparently, um, by some big big uh, association, some men's magazine, too, of her business for, for his honesty and philanthropic gestures. When these guys put money in, into philanthropy, it's, tax, it's for tax reasons. That's what's, what it's done for, folks. One of the reasons why Blair and, and they all get rewarded this way is that they have millions of pounds or dollars to put them in to office to run, and nothing is a free gift from any big corporation. That's why, and it came out in the media too, that long before the Iraq invasion, he had a meeting with all the top CEOs for the, the top uh, oil companies, and uh, they divvied up uh, who was going to get what oil fields and so on that they correspond with the U.S. side because they wanted their share too. And, uh, and, and that's how it turned out to be. It was all planned in advance. Nothing's really real out there. But we're trained, in, you know, especially in the U.S., I think, in happy endings. Uh, Hollywood's awfully good at that since they control the minds of millions of people. Uh, and I mean really control them. But they, they, until we emulate what they put out there in real life, the culture, everything, that's the biggest part of the culture industry and for cultural change. And the actors at the, the top often refer to themselves as the, as the culture industry. They know they're, they're creating the changes in society generation by generation. But you, you'll find that um, people want to believe in the movies, especially the older type or the Disney kind where, where everything has a happy ending. And in an hour and a half from start to finish, all the problems have been resolved and there's a happy ending at the end of it uh, and everyone's smiling and happy. We humans want that. It reminds me of an opera, I think it was uh, in the 1800s in Italy 
and it was a tragedy, an, a, a, a tragic opera, the way it was written, and there was riots in the streets uh, in the city they played it in, in Italy, at the end, because there was no happy ending with the heroine and, and the hero, and I think either both of them got killed or one of them did. And so, because of the rioting and so on, they went back to the drawing board and, and wrote in a happy ending to keep them happy. Uh, that's it's just a trait of human nature. Um, we want that perfect happy ending because it makes us feel safe and, uh, and secure. Because unhappy endings can be too lifelike in a sense. It's very few people get truly happy endings on anything. There's always compromise or something. But uh, in, in Disneyland, of course, in Disney World, it's completely different. Uh, they give you the fiction and we like the fiction uh, because it gives us a form of security and a feeling of resolution at the end of something. I've always said, too, that when you're truly looking for truth, you must be prepared for awful Awfully big disappointments and things that will hurt you too when you see through things, things that you did believe in. Therefore, when you seek truth, you've got to be honest with yourself. And I've likened it many times in the past to jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. You've got to, you've got to go that extra mile to literally say everything, I can lose everything on the way down. All your beliefs, everything you held near and dear to you in order to learn what the truth is. There's no such thing. And most folk go the second route, the second truth, be, truth being, I want to know so much of that, but nothing else. That, that will scare me, you see. Uh, that's not seeking truth. You can't be selective about truth. It, it doesn't work that way. Or you're not being truthful with yourself, obviously, if, if that's the way it is. And truth doesn't come uh, Disneyland packaged for you. Like the movies, it, it comes the way it is. It's raw. It can be cruel. Uh, it's just what it is, and you have to accept it for for being that. And that goes with, about humanity too. You have to go to understand humanity. Really, are they really? Are they really much different at the bottom in many ways uh, from those at the top? How many folk at the bottom go along with a system that's corrupt? for personal survivability and self-gain, meaning their paycheck. Lots of them do. How many folk will will stand up to do the right thing at work, for instance, if they see something wrong going on, but they need the support of others? Now, the others will agree with them. When it comes to, well, will you stand beside me? No, they won't. No, they won't. And that's how humanity happens to be. And big boys know that too. They understand us just too well. So when you go on the journey for looking for truth, you, you do it initially, and it must stay with you too. You do it for yourself. Because the only true freedom in this world is the freedom to have your own thoughts. And sometimes you must keep those thoughts to yourself. Sometimes. Other parts of it you can share with people uh, because they won't retaliate against you. If they do retaliate against you, uh, you, you, they won't even be happy to agree to disagree. They can be rather vicious. And that, that you have to be very cautious about uh, just getting all the facts and saying, and this is the big disappointment most folk get. I've got all the facts here about things and so on, 
if I just show it to other people, they'll suddenly wake up and be the same as me. No, they won't. That's always a shocker to people because there's instant denial. It's a painful thing to show another side of life to people, especially those around you or in family or whatever. And you can learn that lesson awfully dearly uh, as they close you out completely or shun you or disown you. Many facets to it because it's human nature. Human nature, folks. So when you're doing a journey, do it for yourself. And when you do it for yourself, don't be arrogant about it. Don't be arrogant and get nasty with people. Uh, Understand that it's only by a quirk of nature, a fluke, that perhaps you could be the same as them. And someone's trying to give you truth, and you don't want to hear either. It's not their fault. The world we live in is very deceptive. I've done many shows where I've touched on the big international corporations, the really big, successful financial corporations. And by financial, I mean even the producers, too, or the ones who own uh, production, such as uh, the big car companies. As they cheapen everything uh, that they churn out there, uh, they've, got, they've put so much money into into perception management because that's how, how we're managed, perception management. Not, not reality, but perception management. Where a nice car seems awfully brand new and shiny, but it's a tin can. But it looks awfully, it looks like what, you, what you've been trained to believe a car should look like, for instance. Until you, you, you use a thing or you take it apart for repair yourself. And most folk don't, so they never find out. And, and it's so junkily, cheaply made and getting cheaper all the time as you churn them out to maximize their profits that you've been conned. You've, you've been conned mightily, in fact. Uh, and this is taught in business management today and economics as smart management and smart engineering, where the engineers are told to, to, to put not just planned obsolescence into parts, meaning, meaning fast, weird, we're out, etc., but lots of problems because they've done so much uh, studies and, and surveys into how much money that each car, once it's sold, will bring in on repairs, with, and, and even the specific repairs. You know, every vehicle is going to get them over a 10-year period, for instance. It's aftermarket sales parts that are built in. The flaws are designed and built into them. To, to, again, bring more money into the, the dealers, manufacturers. Smart engineering, they call it. And again, that, that double meaning, too. You think smart is something that would be better for us. No, it's, yeah, it's better for the boys who own it all. Everything's like that today. Uh, fr- from uh, the basic hand tools you'll buy, all look nice and chromey at the start until you try to use them. And uh, if you thought it was a reasonable price, you'll find out when your knuckles get the skin removed from them, when the jaws of those wrenches just slip uh, and so on, because the metal's so soft and junky. Things like that, to even the the, the supermarket-type power tools. Looks like an electric drill. Oh, it's nice, shiny plastic, brand new and all that, uh, etc. And you buy it because it's shaped like one, it looks like one. But inside of it, uh, it's meant to bust maybe the first few times you use it. 
or the greatest con of all today is, is the, the, the battery ones from the, the, these, these stores. And um, you find that, yeah, you can charge it two or three times and then you'd be lucky to charge it the fourth or fifth. And the batteries are often more expensive than the actual sale price of the unit that you bought it for the whole drill. Con after con after con, smart engineering and smart marketing has overtaken churning out good products that relied upon their name at one time. That's what Bernay is, the so-called father of, uh, of marketing and advertising, said. To his trainees, he says, rather than resting on your laurels for making good products, you manufacturers must then train the consumer. Train the consumer for your products. Rather than than you train yourselves to churn out good products, train the consumer to buy your products. And you do it by deception. That's how you do it. I had to laugh looking at uh, the flyers that come through here. Recently, because they, they do it, of course, to do with the seasons. Although it's all one season now, it seems rain and snow. And uh, you, you find that snowblowers at one time uh, you expected to work as snowblowers. You know, loosely like a snowblower. There's a big bucket there. There's the auger in the front, etc. And it'll blow the snow. And every one that I checked out on these flyers that were getting for up for sale, and they're not cheap. Uh, nice shiny new good looking paint Very little metal underneath the paint mind you But that's it's all perception isn't it But um, If you looked in And I did phone up a couple To ask them These things are all for occasional Light use only But they look like heavy duty suckers Some of them are like 36 inch buckets on them And stuff like that But occasional light use This is Canada This is Canada folks but most folk don't know what I've just said. They, they, they buy them. They don't know. They've never asked them. They've never phoned up mass to anybody. They make them. So now for a, for a snowblower, you could buy something called a heavy-duty one, which used to be a normal one. Because at one time, that was a normal snowblower. It's like your organic eggs. At one time, they're all organic. We call them natural eggs. So the natural now is organic. The same with your natural vegetables uh, is now organic vegetables. Look at a step higher than it used to be and much more expensive. Everything is perception management in a racket. Is you're trained to suit the product, as Bernie said. And most folk adapt into it without ever questioning what all these words are and what they mean and why it is so. It's not scary. And you, and believe you me, as time goes on, every year another bunch are born who are trained a bit, a bit more into this to, to accept it all than you were. And a lot of folk now are up to the age for joining the military who literally have never known what, what's a system that wasn't really martial law and anti-terrorism. They've never known that. They think this is all normal. And they, they, all I've read, all I've seen on television and in their movies is, is stacks and stacks of movies and dramas about anti-terrorism. They think it's normal. So the idea of, of having a say in a system and having freedoms is really absent from their, their, their learning experience. To them, it's normal. And that's a sad way to be when that's normalized.
And believe you me, you can normalize anything when so many professional think tanks are dealing with your reality. Thousands of them. I've often known that most folk only want the truth that they already believe in. And it can be rather nasty if, uh, if you start to talk and they'll interject very quickly. In fact, rather than just simply listen, uh, is something that the elites and even the old societies like Freemasonry have known for an awful long time. And on the coat of arms, you'll see for the ones for the, the English lodge, you'll see uh, it says silence, uh, watch and listen. Uh, that's something uh, that most folk cannot do. You bite your tongue and listen and watch and you'll learn something. That's what they always taught in a trade, in fact. That you never argued with the boss, the master. Uh, you you watched and you listened and, and as simple as that and you learned. If you're constantly saying, why don't you do it this way, etc., etc. Uh, no, you're just wasting his time rather than getting the job done. And you've closed your mind from, from, from learning by watching and listening. But most folk truly do want to stick to that which they already want to believe in, uh, regardless of any other evidence that's presented to them. Uh, and you, you know it very, very quickly. Uh, it's, again, it's human nature. Human nature. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, an old joke where a guru uh, in Tibet uh, sat at the bottom of a mountain and he was well known and respected. And at the bottom of the mountain, there was a river just ran round it. And one day, a young guy from the States came, and a young fella. He says, I, I says, oh, master, master, I've heard all about you in the West, yada, yada. And I really want to be the same as you and, and gain all this wisdom. And the old guy says, well, he says, he says, you must go up that mountain there and you must suffer all kinds of deprivation and hardship and fast continuously on and off and so on and eat the wild herbs and grass and so on and bear the elements and so and uh, the young guy says and master what will the benefit be he says you'll, the benefit will be that you'll learn humility and to always be cordial to your, your fellow man and the young, young guy was gung-ho on the whole thing and he, away up he went and he was there for about five years and after five years, he came down from the mountain top, and he was so thin, he was like a scarecrow, weather-beaten, wearing an old sackcloth and long hair and unkempt and so on. But he looked rather peaceable, you see. And he said, Master, Master, thank you for your wisdom. I went up that mountain there, and I, I stood at the, ter- the test of time and deprivation and I, I was buried under snow and I was, I was soaked with rain. It was freezing and so on. And I ate the grass, yada, yada. And I understand it all now, Master. And he says, he says, so Master, what did you say is, is wisdom? And the old guy says, he says, wisdom, my son, is always to be cordial and friendly and agreeable to your fellow man. And the young guy blows up and says, no, it's not. He says, I've been up there for years. He says, and I know. There's the answer. And he points to the river. The answer's in the river. And the old guru said, 
You're right, my son. You're right. And that's how you have to go through life often. Uh, because there's no point arguing about things to close mind, you see. That's the world we live in, and that's what uh, the wise man knows. So freedom is for yourself in the mind. Freedom is for yourself in the mind. And you, you find the stories in ancient religions, all similar stories, in fact, where great leaders have been stoned and cursed at the end or are crucified because the followers didn't get out of it what they expected him to do for them. The Christian story, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, kick the Romans out and get a rebellion going. And they wanted that, a lot of them. They didn't. Uh, they, they loved him when he was giving them uh, the free food and all the miracles and so on. They loved him for that. Uh, uh, but once it stopped, that was it. They turned on him. That's the fickleness of human nature, and especially the mob mentality. And what's awfully interesting too, and it's always missed even by those in religion who are heavily into it, is the fact that he kept saying that his kingdom was not of this world. This world. As opposed to modern, uh, certain sects of Christianity who still expect a utopia on this planet uh, and the earthly kingdom. So it's interesting that um, there are messages in so many things which are overlooked by so many because people really want to believe in the physical world and nothing except the physical world and that somehow it can be all fixed uh, by a supernatural agent um, and understanding. And it doesn't ever ever work out that way because human nature itself has never changed. So I'm sorry for prattling on about different things tonight, but I've had a couple of other crises today as well to contend with, and that's this continuous here, in fact. As uh, I've learned a long time ago, it's, uh, it, it always happens again and again to verify that that's how it is. Uh, as I say, from the well, it was just incredible. I put pumps in before and never problems. This thing has had caused so much a hassle. However, uh, as I say, then the car went Wednesday. Uh, there's suddenly no transmission and no drive. No drive at all. Things like that. There are a couple of things that to deal with today as well. And that's how it really goes. That's real life. There's no Disneyland ending here. And I don't plan on escaping into other fantasy to get away from reality. Reality is what it is. It's what it is. I don't say it's right or wrong. But that's what it is. Understand it. And if you understand it, that you made the biggest leap you'll ever do in your lifetime. That's how things really are. So we're in the age of transition, where you've been trained into a new system. In so many ways, most of you have already adapted into it. You accept there's no privacy. You buy all the gadgets and gizmos that even say in all their their apps and so on, there's giving you no privacy whatsoever. And you accept that. That's legality. You accept 
the chains because you think you're getting some kind of benefit out of them and 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 you put up with it therefore you have no privacy that's your choice that's your choice and it never occurs to most people too why agencies and all the rest of them at the top want all your information and as I say it's been the dream of tyrants down through thousands of years to have constant up to date information on every single individual on the planet and here you are here you are and you've been taught that it's called progress you accept it you accept it there's no clanking of chains around your ankles or anything like that there's no looking back and there's a bunch of guys with strange long coats and hats falling around over the place maybe once in a while but most of the time not they don't need it anymore because you're doing it all for them voluntarily through choice and it gets worse and worse because they keep telling you they're going even further and further and further and most of you unfortunately again will adapt into that too because you get so much side benefit from it in communication or watching movies or whatever it happens to be whenever you watch a movie analyze it as you're watching it don't fall for the story don't don't get wrapped up in identifying with the characters in it because then you've lost the whole point of being of indoctrination how it works and, and how your views are changed when you adopt the character and, and you identify with the, with the hero or heroine who happens to be and then you have your opinions bent out of shape on things that perhaps you shouldn't allow to be bent out of shape by fiction emotion has far more impact than reason Far more impact It's very simplistic to, to, to put across And it works incredibly well So analyse what the, After a movie Think back and say What were they trying to put across to me Think about it Don't get caught up in hype and fear Be aware of the causes of things And free your own mind That's a start That's a start And everything starts As I say, the longest journey starts with the smallest step And the smallest step can be awfully hard to take If you may have to give up something on the way And that's a a chance that you take Most folk want pre-packaged answers They just buy it in a big bulk load, you know Most folk, in fact, today who are into different religions Go shopping for religions I've said it's like a supermarket for, for belief systems out there And including that so The whole ufology Etc, etc, etc So many different things Are prepackaged for you And they're safe They're safe for you if you feel safe in them uh, Because it's all done for you um, It's like buying a kit Everything's included That's what you want And if it doesn't fit you, you'll try another one If the suit doesn't fit, try another one Made to measure, yeah. made to wear, pre-packaged stuff. That's what folk want because folk today have been trained already not to make their own decisions. I've given that famous statement so many times that the big boys said it and the Club of Rome said it too, that democracy didn't work and they wouldn't need it anymore because really they used it in the past as a con, always telling you vote for us and things will get better. 
And now they don't need it anymore because people, uh, fewer folk vote anyway. They know that the scams of the voting system. And they have other decisions made for them by the state. The state isn't just one super building somewhere. The state also is a, a cartel, has cartels of big international corporations working on you too. They all work together, folks. That's the complete state. And universities and so on. Your whole reality to shape your mind into being the perfect citizen who's easily managed. And will go through life from birth to death without questioning anything at all. And they said at the Club of Rome too that eventually the people won't need to use their reasoning powers and make decisions for themselves because the state will be making it all for them. A lot of folk have already got there already and their apps and all the rest of it and all their gadgets are doing making decisions for them even though we pass our time all the time, and they accept that too. That's all part of total control. It's sad, but it's true, and it's very simplistic, really. It's not, there's nothing complicated about it. But as I say, human nature is understood so perfectly, perfectly well. Your tax money made it so because that's how they hired and created professional organizations to investigate your psyche, a long time ago and still ongoing as they keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it and doing tests on whole populations and individuals all the time and they'll never stop but they, but they understand us pretty well, perfectly well that's the sad truth about life anyway, when I give talks I don't see them as downers I, I simply see them as realism, realistic talks I said a long time ago I wouldn't be a cheerleader for the general public because the general public are making, are making their decisions. Each individual makes their own decisions. They're prompted which ones to take, mind you. As Cass Sunstein and others would say, and the behaviorists and neuroscientists, you're prompted all the time what way to go. But they take them, they make those decisions. And uh, you can't be a cheerleader for people. Um, who don't want to think for themselves or make truly make the decisions on their own by themselves. You can't help folk like that. So don't try to be some kind of messiah to save the world. You'll be lucky to save yourself and a few friends. Because even when you think you have reclaimed your mind, uh, there's a war on to try and make you lose it again. That's reality, folks. Reality isn't an easy ride, not for most of us anyway. Not easy at all. And we are f- filled with all the problems that we have, with, especially as, as we go into the age of austerity, paying more money for, for junk that we need at the moment. And, and the junk gets more junkier with every generation of it. And, uh, and more expensive too at the same time to maximize the profits for the corporations. Cause, because they said greed is good, right? That's taught in university. Greed is good. You can't change that by yourself by saying, please stop it and be awfully nice to the rest of us. It won't happen, folks. It won't happen. But you've got to first save your mind. Once you do that, other answers can come along. But first you've got to save your mind. Reclaim it. Plant the flag for yourself. And start using it. And there's always a price to be paid because you will go through Sorrow and various other things when you realize so much, so many of the things that you truly, truly wanted or believed in are fake.
That's part of the price. You lose people, friends and so on. That's part of the price. But then, are they really friends? Does everybody want a clone like themselves and they call friends? Of course not. If they do, they're not friends at all. If they're truly friends, they'll still respect you regardless of what direction you take. Well, that's all for tonight because I'm, I've got a stack of things here to do and try to uh, get through this incredible week coming up here too. As we go into snow and rain and snow and rain. And last night went down to uh, about 10 degrees below uh, f- freezing on the second grade and about 20 degrees or so Fahrenheit. And that's about two or three nights in a row. So uh, the geoengineering has been, uh, it's really working, you know, as, as you can tell. As they bring upon uh, a good part of the, the country, uh, global cooling. And as they predicted a long time ago, the geoengineering conferences they had, if they ever started it, you'd have nothing but rain all the time, it would turn into snow. Well, this winter is going to be even worse than last year. And I knew last year it was going to be terrible. And I said so. And it's going to be even worse this year, believe you me. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>